0: What are you afraid of? Is it spiders? Is it clowns? Is it posters of babies dressed as adults? For a lot of us, we fear the unknown, right? And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, one of the biggest unknowns is, how do we know we have the Holy Spirit? That question can create a lot of anxiety and tension and fear. That's no way to live. So, let's talk about it together. Maybe everything we've talked about in this series so far has created some anxiety for you. Because maybe you don't feel like you're sure you're doing it right. And when we don't feel the Holy Spirit like we think we're supposed to, it can create a lot of anxiety. I mean, we hear all these dramatic stories of the Holy Spirit, whether we read it in the New Testament or maybe if you've been in a connect group with Cross Creek and you've heard people's stories about the Holy Spirit and you're thinking, well, I didn't have that. I haven't seen those things. I haven't really felt anything. I've never talked in tongues or or heard the audible voice of God like others say they have. Like, am I just fooling myself? And besides, I've messed up in my life a lot. Do I even have the Holy Spirit? Here's what I've discovered. God's gift of the Holy Spirit isn't a feeling. It's a fact. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And for that idea to make sense and to really sink in, I think we need to look at what the Apostle Paul had to say. Now, for Jesus followers, this episode, what I want to do with it is give you confidence in walking with the Holy Spirit daily. And maybe you're checking out Christianity and somebody said the Holy Spirit and you're watching this. Well, I want, what I want to do is maybe give you some insight on what to expect if you take that step of following Jesus. So, around 60 AD, about 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church, a group of Jesus followers, in the Roman province of Ephesus. We call it the Book of Ephesians. And Ephesus was a very religious city with a lot of different, everybody had these different religious experiences. And so what Paul's doing in the book of Ephesians is explaining what it means to follow Jesus in that culture, in their lives, in that day. And he starts the whole letter with a type of song or lyrical poem, which is really, really rich, and it really has a lot of theological depth. And I want to read it and just talk about it a little bit, because it really sets up what we're going to talk about. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. It says Jesus followers are united with Christ and they are holy and without fault in God's eyes. That is huge. Like if you're a Jesus follower, is that how you see yourself? holy and without fault in the eyes of god but if you are in jesus that is how god sees you see what what paul's talking about is triune god father son holy spirit from the very beginning loved us and has invited us into his family his the dance that all three of them have had together from eternity past he brings us into it not to grovel to some distant deity like oh have mercy on me dear heavenly father right no He's brought us into it to enjoy his love as fully adopted children. And he did it through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Why? Why did he do it? Because we're, you know, we deserved it because we're the highest evolved species. No. Because, you know, we proved our worth by worshiping him really, really good. No. He brought us into this because he wanted to. God loves and adopts his children simply because he wants to. And so triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit has always been and will always be a relational, communal God. And he redeems and resurrects us to be a new community for a new earth and universe with him. And this whole idea really seems to overwhelm Paul, and he can't help but celebrate it. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. We belong to, we belong to his dear son. If you are a Jesus follower, you belong to Jesus. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. It says it's his mysterious will, like, ooh, is this mystery? No, it's more like something that was once unknown is now revealed. It was mysterious, now it's revealed. And so what's the plan? To bring everything under Christ. As we've talked about in past episodes, Jesus followers are the first fruits. They're the the first buds of spring of this everything being under Christ. Christ. Jesus followers are the already, not yet people of God. They are already under Christ, yet they are not fu- not yet fully living in the world completely restored through Jesus and to Jesus. Okay, and you're thinking like, that's okay, cool, John, but like, I don't really know if I'm there, if I'm totally remade. Like, I don't know. I don't feel it. We'll get there. Hold on. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Because we are united to Jesus, we have an inheritance? What is that? Well, it's, it's the new heaven and the new earth that Jesus has promised. It's eternal life in community with him, in him, and with each other. That is our inheritance that we will have forever. And now the next part of what Paul says is what I really want to focus on for this episode. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. He says that we Gentiles, the the people who believed after the Jews, have heard the truth, the good news that saves you. This word good news, that's where we get the the word gospel. In Greek, it's euangelion. It means, and this good news is that God has come to save humanity. He's come to bring the kingdom of God to earth now, through Jesus, to restore humanity to the eternal, perfect dance of triune God. And to make that happen, Jesus came to earth and he has defeated death and sin. And he saves us from being slaves to our sinful nature and its death and its corruption now and forever. And he saves us from fear and the terror of the unknown in this life and the next. And now, he is making a people that loves their enemies. A people that doesn't have to fear death. And anyone can be a part of this dance. Anyone can be a part of this kingdom now. That's great. But John, I, I don't feel it. Hold on. Paul goes on. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. It says when you believed in Christ. Now I don't want to minimize this and just rush past it because I know this is like the the stumbling block for so many people. This I know the idea of belief is so difficult. It's it's just difficult because it's like you can't really measure it. You can't, you know, you can't graph it belief. Well, have you ever been to the chiropractor? I have a friend. Let's let's call him Jason. He is an awesome chiropractor. Like, I'm not sure I've actually trusted anyone more with my life if I've actually thought about it. I mean, because you've seen those movies, right? Where the guy, the spy goes up to the, the enemy and sneaks up behind him and breaks their neck. Well, that's kind of like what chiropractors do. And so, like, I'm always afraid, like, maybe he'll slip and break my neck. And so when I go to the chiropractor, I have to relax. and I have to trust that he knows what he's doing. Now, how do I know he's trustworthy? Well, from recommendations of others that he hasn't killed. Uh, From his explanations, he's very good at explaining, okay, I'm going to do this. You're going to hear this. You're going to feel that. But all of that's great. But at some point, I have to take the step. I have to put all my hopes of being able to walk again and on whether or not I will die, on whether or not he can and will do what he says he can and will do. Belief is choosing to be confident that God will do what he promised. And the moment someone takes that step of trust, somehow, something unimaginable happens. It says, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. It means, when he says identified, a better word there is, is sealed, in the ancient world, a seal, maybe you know this, a seal, you know, they'd have the ring, right? And they'd stamp it on a, an important document so that only the right person could open it or something that they owned, a jar of something would be sealed so they know it wasn't broken. It was, it was a sign of ownership, a sign of ownership of something important for documents or belongings. It was a mark of authority over and ownership of whatever that seal was on. And when we choose to trust God's good news, we are permanently marked as God's own child by receiving the Holy Spirit, meaning God himself comes and seals us with his own personal presence. But John, I haven't experienced all the stuff others have. Like, how do I know that's happened to me? Well, first question, what are you trusting in to make you new, to, to save you, to get you back into the dance with God? Is it Jesus or is it you? Who have you believed in to get you to that place? If it's you, well, you'll always wonder, you'll always be questioning because our beliefs and our understanding is always shifting and and growing and we're always asking new questions. But if it's Jesus, then God promises you have the Holy Spirit. And I've tried to think about it. My wife told me not to overthink it because I really can't make it any fancier than this if you choose to trust jesus as your king and savior then you know you have the holy spirit how because god says you do the moment we trust that god keeps his promises he promises that we have the holy spirit it's exactly what peter said when the holy spirit first came on the first jesus followers peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles brothers what should we do Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by our Lord God. We are those who are far away. And there's no ritual, there's no special outward sign. We don't need to invite and seek and coax the Holy Spirit to be in us. It's basically a simple if-then statement. If we believe Jesus is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do, then we have the Holy Spirit. But there's more. The Holy Spirit doesn't just seal us, he guarantees God's promise to us. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. And that he purchased, that and that he has purchased us to be his own people, the word guarantee. A good another good word for that is like a down payment, a pledge. It's a promise of what is to come. Right, you give a down payment, promising you're going to give the rest later. This inheritance, and it's a down payment of our inheritance. That's the eternal life we talked about earlier. That we will be fully restored to the dance of God, made perfect in a new perfect universe. And the Holy Spirit. It's when we said um, it's a guarantee. It's kind of like an engagement ring, if you think about it, right? When you're engaged, you're already, but not yet, right? You're, you're already sealed. You belong to each other, right? You are each other's one and only, but you're not yet married. You're not yet experiencing and enjoying your final relationship that you've promised to have with each other. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that he will fulfill his promise to restore us forever. Scholar Gordon Fee put it this way. He said, the spirit therefore serves as God's down payment in our present lives. The certain evidence that the future has come into the present and the sure guarantee that the future will be realized in full measure. But John, you're thinking, I know we're getting there. I promise. But first, let's ask this question. Why does God do all of this? Like, that's great that he does it, but (laughs) why? He did this so we would praise and glorify him. His purpose is that we would be his own people, so we would praise and glorify him. He's making a people for himself to praise and glorify him. Why? Because he's an egomaniac and needs all these humans to grovel and praise him? No. Ooh. Praise and glorify means we make him famous. We show others his goodness and his love and his mercy and his empowerment so that they can enjoy the dance as well. The Holy Spirit is creating the people of God to show the world the love of God. So maybe again, you're not feeling what you think you should feel. So my next question would be, are you walking with the Holy Spirit? Are you fulfilling your purpose? Is there proof that you are becoming more of the people of God that praise and glorify him? Listen, every Jesus follower has the Holy Spirit. That's what we talked about. He promised it. Every Jesus follower has the Holy Spirit, but not every Jesus follower is walking with the Holy Spirit. As we saw last week, in the last episode, we can either work with the Holy Spirit or we can hinder Him. And the proof we have the Holy Spirit is choosing to walk with Him and having His fruit be produced in our lives. So is there that proof? Can you look back and see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control growing in your life? But you might think, but John! John! What if, like, I was doing that, or I was really into it, I was really on fire? Whatever, that sounds painful. I was really on fire for God, but I've messed up so much. If your kid came to you and said, I hate you, and they changed their name, and they, they like publicly and officially and legally disown you, does that change their DNA? Does that change how you feel about them, how you see them, how you know them? Does it change the actual reality fact that they are your child, that you are their parent? No, God keeps his promises, and he promised to adopt you forever. It's what Paul wrote about in Second Timothy. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is is. It says if, if we deny him, then he will deny us. So like if we, if we say, nope, I don't want to believe anymore, he'll just throw us out. That's not what it means. He's saying if we deny him, if we refuse to believe in the first place, then he'll be like, yeah, no, you, you're not a believer. You're not. If we refuse to follow him, he'll say, yeah, obviously you're not my follower. But then it says if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Being unfaithful means we don't live up to what we say we will do. We, we don't live up to, say, to living the way a Jesus follower should live. We don't live up to acting like his child. And he says, if we are unfaithful, he stays faithful to us because he can't deny himself. What does that mean? He's already sealed you with his own personal presence. He is living in you as proof that you are his, and he can't deny who he is, that he's in you already. See, when he sealed you, if you're a Jesus follower, if he sealed you, he already knew. Every time you would go off the path. Every time you would deny actually loving him or or knowing him. And he made this promise anyway. Because it's never been based on you. It's never been based on what you can do. It's always been based on him and his love for you. Why? Because he wanted to. So the question is, who's stronger? You, your doubt, your fear, your bad choices, or God? If God seals it, no one can steal it. Like, what would be strong enough to unseal what God has marked as his own? God himself is holding on to you, keeping you sealed, keeping you marked for himself. You know what that means? That means we're free to ask questions. We're free to have doubts and explore those because his love is more powerful than any of those. And you may say, okay, I kind of get that. But like, if I'm being honest, I just still feel so guilty about everything. Like, how, If I feel this guilty, how can he love me? Dear children, let us not say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we'll be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. So even if we're, if we're walking with the Holy Spirit, if we still feel guilty doesn't, it, it's, we can remind ourselves that God is greater than our guilt feelings. He knows the actual truth of who we are. We are his children sealed by him. But how do I know? Like, how do I know I have the Holy Spirit? Because he said so. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this is, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Author Tim Suttle, I think, put it best. He said, deep down, what it means to follow Jesus is knowing and believing that his love has made us worthy of being called the children of God. It's that knowledge, that belief that assures us that we have the Holy Spirit living in us and walking with us. And this Holy Spirit-guided life is like, it's kind of like an old train, right? You have the engine and then the coal tender and then the caboose, right? And we picture the engine being the promise of God. And the coal is our trust in that promise and and living it out. And then the caboose is our feelings. If we put all our coal and our trust in the caboose and into our feelings, it's not going to go anywhere, right? It doesn't do anything. You just get a full caboose of coal. And we'll wonder, like, why is this not working? Why is my life not going down the tracks? Why am I not experiencing what what others say they're experiencing? And we're just going to be frustrated and guilty that we can't do it. But if we put the coal, we put our trust in the engine, we put our trust in God's promise, then the train will start to move. And the caboose, our feelings, will follow along. Like, Isn't that really what what faith is in the first place? No matter our doubts, no matter our questions, no matter our uncertainty, no matter what our weaknesses are, we cling to God, we cling to him and his promise and his trustworthiness. It's not about gaining more knowledge and and relying on feelings. It's a choice to trust the fact that God promised it, so it is reality. And so our goal this week is simple, is to trust that God keeps his promises. So to remind ourselves of God's promise, Let's read and really pick it apart and see, what is that, what's that saying about God? What's that saying about me? What's that saying about humanity? What should I do with that today? And then pray this, God, help me put my confidence in your promise and not my feelings. That's it. Help me put my confidence in your promises and not in my feelings, because we put our trust in him, the feelings will come along. And then we live it, we live it out. God says you are sealed, you are faultless in his eyes. Live like it, meaning you can love confidently. You can live freely and trust that he is guiding you. He is with you. See, the life Jesus offers isn't a life of anxiety and fear and unrelenting nagging guilt. It is a life of confidence and peace and assurance and love, even when we don't have all the answers. And he gives us the Holy Spirit as a promise, as a guarantee that we are His now and forever, and we can trust Him because He has proven He is trustworthy. And now we can walk with Him daily and experience a confidence in who we are and who is with us, no matter what the ups and downs are that go on in our lives. The more we walk with the Holy Spirit, the more we are aware that He is with us. Thank you for watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We meet regularly on Sundays at 4.30 p.m. You're welcome to join us in person to hear messages like this in real life with real people in real community. We have snacks afterwards. There's stuff for kids. We sing a few songs and we take communion, not in that order. You can also join a small group if you're interested in diving deeper into community. There's information about that on our website as well. Thank you for watching on YouTube, listening on the podcast, engaging with us on social media, and emailing us if you have any questions. And we look forward to having a conversation with you and meeting you in person. See you Sunday.